project management tools. Everyone wants to talk about them. No one's quite happy with their current one, and the quest to find the perfect tool has ballooned into a global pilgrimage. But as much as having the right tool can increase efficiency and propel a team more quickly to their goals, a lot of the time and energy we spend talking about tools is often better spent understanding whether we have the right foundation of people, process, and clear expectations in the first place. If you're someone struggling with PM tool acquisition syndrome, keep listening. We're going to be breaking down the foundational components and the human elements that need to be addressed first in order to realize the benefits of project management software. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. My name is Galen Lowe with the Digital Project Manager. We are a community of digital professionals on a mission to help each other get skilled, get confident, and get connected so that we can amplify the value of project management in a digital world. If you want to hear more about that, head over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com. All right, today we are talking about project management software, whether you need it or whether you don't, and also some of the things to avoid when you're trying to select the right tool for your team. And with me today is Gray McKenzie, co-founder of ZenPilot. Great, thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, thanks, Galen. I'm excited to be here, and uh, we've got a lot of commonalities between our two businesses, so this should be a, be a fun conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. We've been nerding out about project management software, project management in general, leading an agency that is profitable and growing. I wonder, maybe this is a great opportunity. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about ZenPilot and what you do, who you help, and, and what impact that has. Yeah, so kind of the nutshell version is ZenPilot. We're a training and consulting business. We help agencies build a gold standard operation so that they're running healthier, more productive, more profitable teams. The way we deliver that today is we help them streamline their ops on top of a project management platform called ClickUp. Our background comes from first running an agency, then building project management software, and then ultimately solving that same like agency ops problem, but on top of someone else's software. And that specific tool today is, is ClickUp. And do you only, are you strictly a ClickUp shop or is it kind of whatever tool is going to be the best fit for the organization? Yeah, really good question. So I do not believe ClickUp's the right fit for everybody, but that is our client filter. We only work with people who are open to using ClickUp as the vehicle to get them to the end outcome. That decision, so when we transitioned from running our own project management software, a platform called Do Inbound, what we really wanted to keep was the ability to provide kind of high-level agency ops strategy and expertise but in a super fast tactical way. And so specializing on top of one platform was the easiest way to say, you know, hey, we've got all this pre-built stuff, all this pre-built infrastructure we can plug in and customize on top of, but we can get you because we're just focused on agencies. We can get you 50, 60% of the way there kind of on day one. And so made the decision for our own internal operations just to really simplify that and say, we'll only do it on top of ClickUp. So it's purely ClickUp, and that's kind of the filter we have for who we who we get to work with and who's not a fit. I respect that. I mean, I think ClickUp is a great tool, and I also respect this kind of passing of the torch, right? You had your own proprietary management software, and this is you made that decision to say, you know what? ClickUp gets us there, and they're growing a great product. You know, why not just use this? It aligns to the framework and your philosophies of how you help agencies grow and be sustainable and just be a lot of fun to run and to succeed. Yeah. I worked with a really good sales coach a couple of years ago who did not specialize on top of a specific tool. Had an awesome framework, a lot of pre-built stuff kind of sitting in Google Drive, a lot of good assets. But we're we're running our, our internal CRM. We're on top of HubSpot. And I just remember so many times feeling like 
this would be really nice if all this wasn't in Google Drive and we had to go translate it and we had to figure out what would happen. Like we would get so much, we'd get there so much faster if we just knew, hey, here's exactly what we're going to do. We've already got templates built out. Like I already know exactly what this should look like inside HubSpot. And that was a little bit validating to me because, you know, um, I've got great friends who are agency owners, you know, running eight figure agencies on top of Monday or on top of Asana or on top Mm -hmm. of Teamwork. And all those platforms are great. And so there's some moments where it's like, oh man, I wish that we could just service them. But they, they really tied into those platforms. They don't want to leave those platforms. That's my encouragement to anybody. It's like, hey, if it's working well right now, if you're happy with your current PM, then why why mess it up and why go why go change it? But that was kind of a validating experience to me working with that sales coach. I'm like, man, this is so much more powerful when somebody has really deep expertise at the ground level as well as up in kind of the, the clouds and the strategy level. No, I love that. And I like in some ways, and I'm, I'm running ahead here in our conversation, but in some ways, you know, fixating on the tool and all the bells and whistles and what it can do can be a distraction. Whereas actually it's the road to get to a destination and you should almost be, it should be turnkey enough that the things that you believe in, that you know are best practices, that you know how to solve the problem. You pick up that tool and you, and you solve the problem. You don't like spend a whole bunch of time looking at your hammer and like trying to figure out what your hammer does and like, oh, what if I use the back of the hammer or what if I use the bottom of the hammer? It's no, it's just, it's just, it's a tool, right? It's going to get you to where you're going. So if it's a tool, you know, well, and you know, it's going to get you there, then like, yeah, why, why change it? And to that same point, like if you can standardize, because I've seen this happen a lot in agencies, I've seen agencies where every project is run by a different piece of project management software, or the tools are always different every time. You just lose that efficiency. You don't build those habits. Everything is just trying to figure it out or switching gears and it's, it's clumsy and it shouldn't be because, you know, if I was to go and cut a piece of wood, I'm going to get my circular saw out. I'm going to cut a piece of wood. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time going like, how do I use a saw again? You know, like it's not the efficient thing to do. It's about getting it done. Right. I think the one other piece I'd add too on like, which, you know, are we just a click up shop or whatever? Like right now that uh, the reason I am specific about the language is that's our client filter is that the decision that we were making at the time was what's the best fit? What, What do we think after doing the testing and running on top of tools and everything else? What do we think is the best fit for most agencies most of the time? Obviously, we want to maximize our potential audience size in the agency ecosystem. And so ClickUp was that tool. Uh, if that changes, when that changes at some point in time, like ClickUp will no longer be the tool that we're tied to. And that was also an intentional decision because we were coming out of running an agency you know, 10 years ago mm. that was particularly a HubSpot shop. And so whatever you wanted on top of HubSpot, like that was what we did. And the big challenge there is we outsourced a lot of our strategy, um, mm-hmm. which has some small benefits, but also a lot of drawbacks to HubSpot. HubSpot by nature is just going to keep expanding in functionality. And we had marketing and then all of a sudden we had sales hub and then we had support. And then we've got, you know, we've got the website building, another CMS hub and now operations hub. We're up to five different hubs that we're trying to build on. And that was not what we got into it for. So the, and we've seen enough of those agencies where you just get spread really thin trying to support because we're exclusively, we, we've, kind of tied our our flag and our hopes and our, our stakes to one specific platform and we're the experts on that one specific platform. Although we are today ClickUp's largest implementation partner and have kind of the largest team and expertise set on top of ClickUp, the goal is never to be, we're, we just know ClickUp better than anybody else, unless that's part of we're solving the fundamental agency problem better than anybody else. And, it, and ClickUp's just the, the vehicle to get there. I really like that. And it makes sense like to specialize. I think one of the things that the circles that I travel in, you know, we're all in the digital world. And the thing about the digital world is that it's always changing. It changes really quickly. And it's hard to know everything deeply about everything, right? It, in fact, it's it's kind of like 
it's futile in a way. You're not going to know every single thing about every single thing. And that's something we have to just kind of accept. So like, I respect that in a world where there's, gosh, there's just so many tools. There's so many tools out there. There's so many options. The marketplace is saturated to the hilt. So the best idea is not to try and know everything about every tool out there. Actually, like if you can specialize deeply and it is that platform that can, you know, get done what you need to get done, then like, I think that's, that's a, that's a great, that's a great decision. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of potential that comes from that. Yeah. hundred percent. Awesome. Let's get into it. We're talking about growing agencies and you work with a lot of different types, I'm sure. And I'm, I'm sure you see a lot of different challenges, pitfalls. I'm just wondering, when we come back to like project management, what's one of those telltale signs that makes you know that they're going to need to replace their current project management tools? Yeah, I, I view it kind of as a holistic, like the bundle, the three pieces in any of this stuff is what's the tooling? That's that's the one that we all like to start with because we're all marketers. We love the marketing that these tools do. Like we love the shiny new tool to solve problems. And it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just, it's not the, it's not the only piece. So the, the tooling is important. The second piece is the process component. You guys obviously do a ton around process. Like how do we actually systematize what we're doing? Like it's it's not just a tool problem, but in the agency space, you think of all the, you know, you create a ton of your efficiency and a ton of your margin by having repeatable processes for how we do things. And if those processes aren't integrated into whatever tool you're using and you don't have some templates to deploy from and you're really efficient in terms of how you plan and task out work and then manage and track that, and that's going to be a big challenge. So that process piece is really important. And then the the third piece is the the people side. Like, have you given your team, you know, a crystal clear set of expectations and, and rules of engagement for how they're going to use whatever the tooling is and follow the processes? And then have you also given them the training? We call it expectation setting and enablement. But that enablement is the training on not just, you know, due dates matter. And here's how we treat due dates. When a task gets to overdue, like, are we, do we, are we fine with that? Can we have as many overdues as we want? Or do you have to reschedule that since you can't go back and do stuff in the past? And when you do, do you have to leave a comment or not? They need to not just know what those rules are. They need to know, hey, how do I actually do that in the day-to-day and be efficient with that? I love that because there are just so many tools. Every organization and agency especially, they're going to have a lot of tools in the ecosystem. And I like what you said about this kind of like shiny object thing. It's like, is the solution just going to be this other tool? Like, I can get a license right now. Let's just like, let's try it without actually going through those other two things, which is like actually having a culture of process, which doesn't mean rigidity in my books. It just means predictability, especially with agencies. You know, sometimes you're onboarding and offboarding like a bunch of different people onto a project that may not have been involved at the beginning, that may be new to the organization. They might be contractors, they might be vendors. And how are you setting the expectation that there is a process here to follow to give us that predictability? And then I love that training piece because honestly, I think I've heard a lot of people really struggle with it. And I know a lot of people are kind of like, cool, we just have one half day session with somebody from ClickUp and they're going to show us what the tool does. And then it's going to be, you know, presto changeo. Everyone's going to know the tool and I'm going to be able to say, well, weren't you at that training session? Whereas in reality, it's actually more about that governance and just like, I know that there's all these words that we use around tools and process that like seem really like rigid, but yeah. just that what you said, expectations, like what is expected if a task is overdue, what right. do you do? And that's just, in my books, that's like a ways of working kind of thing. Like here's the, our little contract as a project team or as an agency that this is the way we work. And, you know, please, uh, you know, set your slack if you're away. And also if your task is, is, is coming due and it's not done yet, like let somebody know and here's what's going to happen. And it's not going to be necessarily a slap on the wrist. It's not like there's any shame in it. 
a lot of the agencies I know, they're, you know, they're just pedal to the metal trying to, you know, do as much as they can. It's good, exciting work, but the sort of resource planning and traffic management side of things, like, yeah, of course, some things are going to probably slip, but the important thing is that we know and we can react to it rather than just somebody ignore it and just hope for the best and hope that the tool doesn't, you know, call them out. But actually, it's not about that. It's about people. Right. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's a an agency model is a service, you know, it's basically a big services are like a human capital or labor arbitrage business where we buy people's hours in bulk by paying them an annual salary. Mm -hmm. And then we're trying to resell that and efficiently deliver on projects where we're then making a, a healthy profit to, to justify running a business. And so if you, if you don't have those systems to kind of measure how you're doing along those, along those lines, it's a huge challenge. So many, you'd asked kind of the original question about how do, how does an agency know when it's time to switch tools? Mm -hmm. And typically when we're hearing from people, it is, my team doesn't like this. We don't like, like there's things that we don't like. And it's not that I don't have any respect for how the experience on day-to-day -day users, but how do you know, have you given them any of the right frameworks to know, like most of what they really want and what people would really like is clarity on what the heck mm -hmm. am I supposed to do and how, how am I supposed to do it? And that's where you need all three of those pieces. I'd say the more... The more sophisticated use cases, you get agencies who actually do have a solid framework in place and they're missing things like, hey, I can't see, like I'm trying to do workload allocation or resource planning. And that's a big challenge in our current tool set. So there are legitimate cases where it's like, hey, the tool that you have, you're absolutely right. The tool is just not the tool for it. But 90% of the time it is, we don't have a high level structure for what, what's our client journey? How, does, how do each of the pieces of that client journey get delivered? Do we have that built out? Do we have a team trained on how they're going to execute on that? And then do we have a consistent accountability rhythm in place where someone's actually looking on a daily basis and on a weekly basis and monthly and quarterly? And what is that? You know, a lot of people will say, you know, we've got checkpoints or we've got some accountability in the process. And when you ask about what that process looks like, okay, so what are you measuring on a daily basis? And then what do you look at on a weekly basis or monthly or quarterly? It might be high level project profitability without knowing if the individual inputs are actually right. It might be a, hey, when I feel like somebody's wasting time, I go look at the time reports and try and do the gotcha move. But, right. but there's very little like health, healthy rhythms for accountability, yeah. which is totally natural. None of us grew up doing this. Like we were terrible at this at our, at our originally at our agency. Global Box. So it's not a, I don't say that from a place of judgment or we're so much better. There's a lot of grace uh, in this space, but there's a, there are, there's a much better way, which is why, why we're in business and why there's other companies you know, who are trying to do the same type of thing that we're doing and that you, you guys are doing. Would you say that that's kind of your, your, your method to debunk, debunk the opinion that, oh, this tool is just not right for us. It's not working. We need a new one. And they call you and they're like, I hear ClickUp's good. Can we get ClickUp? We need a new tool. Our tool sucks. Is that kind of where you, your first protocol to say like, listen, let's look at your rhythms? Yeah, I do think so. I think out of like, because we are solely servicing on top of ClickUp, it surprises a ton of people that I'm one of the first people to say, wait a second, like maybe, maybe you're fine on Monday. Maybe it's not a Monday mm -hmm. versus ClickUp problem. It'd be easy to kind of get lazy and just sell off of, yeah, absolutely. ClickUp will solve all those problems, but, but that's just setting our, ourselves up for failure and, and clients up for failure. If that was the end of the pitch. So a hundred percent, like, Hey, how are you? The first thing we need to do is just understand, like, let's benchmark what you guys are doing right now. And then let's understand what the gap is between where you are today. What does gold standard agency operations look like? for your specific type of agency? And then what's the what's the path to getting there? And it's going to be a combination of those three things, the tooling and the process and the people. I love that. Do you have any stories about people who arrived at that clarity and were like, actually, yeah, we can just keep using Google Sheets. So we just needed clarity. <laughs> Less so with Google Sheets. There's certainly teams on other tools that we've said, 
We had an agency, a 40-person web agency out of Baltimore and uh, went through our first stage of an engagement, which we call the blueprint. It's basically the, hey, we're going to benchmark, understand where you are now, and we're going to create the playbook for you of what this what this needs to look like. And at the end of that playbook, it's not that ClickUp or making that migration would not be beneficial to them. There's some pieces that they would really benefit from there around how they interact with clients and some of the flexibility and integrations with other tools. But it was not the right time to do that. Like they had a, a good amount of people work to do first. And so that's that's pretty common is that, hey, there's some other stuff that we need to go do. The tooling is going to be a piece of this, but it's not necessarily the first the first piece that we're doing. I think it's, uh, that's really cool. I love that notion. I think I was, I, I got called out actually on a different podcast to, uh, for like, well, do people actually need project management software? Like what's wrong with just using whatever, a to-do list, um, you know, like a, a Word document. And I was like, actually, you kind of got me there. Like if you can get it done, I'm sure there's a scale point where that'll stop working. Right. Um, but if it's a small team with smallest projects and it's working, then like, yeah, absolutely. Why would you change it? Well, I get it. And, I, and I think that's uh, coming back to what you said about the shiny object syndrome that happens with this kind of like, and I, I see it as well, this kind of rampant tool acquisition syndrome where you just kind of like, there's a tool out there and it's shiny and it's cool. Like, how can we just jam this into our ecosystem? And I see folks do that a lot. And I was thinking, I was actually like, I'm like, in some ways, I'm not a ClickUp expert, but like I like their the the sort of tagline I had seen was more about you know one tool to rule them all, which is an interesting angle at it in the marketplace. But it's not actually what they mean, not literally, not like don't use any other tools. In fact, actually, it's a great platform to integrate other tools. But I'm just curious. I mean, knowing that, like honestly, uh, we did an article a while back, and it was like, well, how many tools do you, you know, touch every day as a project manager? And I think the average was like 12. <laughs> and I know that for other crafts and in other folks in different roles and agencies, it's probably going to be more. And there are a lot of things that need to like plug in together. But like, how do you help agencies in particular? How do you help them decide which tool is a tool that they need that should integrate with their core system like ClickUp versus what is something that is maybe redundant? And maybe just it's present for the wrong reasons. Right. I think it's a big, a big piece of value in our engagements winds up being what, what tools do we actually need? Just like any software, you know, ClickUp will promise that it can do things that it's not that it can't do it, but that maybe it's not better. ClickUp says, hey, we've got chat. And so you don't need Slack. But their chat, if you're trying to run any third-party integrations, you want whatever your Google Calendar data mm -hmm. pushed into Slack or your... HubSpot data pushed into Slack, or you want to your ad spend, daily ad spend reports pushed in, or whatever you want. Like Slack's got all these native connections that ClickUp doesn't have. So just because a tool can do it doesn't mean that's the right tool. What I'm really looking for in most cases is let's pick the best-in-class tools, the minimal amount of best-in-class tools, but use them for their specific purposes, and then try and create natural connections where it makes sense. So kind of behind the scenes, or as part of when, I, when we talk about ClickUp, and that's the filter, even though we won't do a project with an agency if, you know, we won't go into like an implementation if it's not on top of ClickUp, there is a lot of integrations and automation work behind the scenes that's a part of those implementation projects. So taking our example of the CRM, HubSpot is a best-in-class CRM. That's what we want to use. ClickUp's best-in-class for project management. It doesn't, we can build out, we've got a template built for a CRM inside of ClickUp. But it doesn't make sense to use when, when you've already got HubSpot and there's things natively that happen in HubSpot that are way more powerful than what happens in ClickUp for those specific use cases. Well, then we need an integration when a new deal moves to closed one or we, you know, we've closed a client. What's our workflow to take that and smoothly plan that project into ClickUp? So integrations from that, integrations into 
obviously your communication tool, whether that's Teams or into Slack, into your finance tool. You know, what's how does ClickUp talk to QuickBooks? And you make sense of the financial data that's happening there. File management, email, like there's there's all these integrations that just make sense to have. And so, yeah, it's not a, I think the way that you deal with that is just kind of get what's the high level map of the tools that are absolutely critical that we need to have. Let's not try to eliminate or cram all those down just to try and create the one tool to, to replace them all. But let's pick the right tool for the right purpose and then make sure that they talk to each other intelligently. And where it doesn't make sense, we always got to look at the ROI on those integrations too. What's our time to value on this? So like if we're saving two hours a week, that's great. If it's somebody's time, it's $50 an hour or whatever, like that's awesome. But if it's going to take us, you know, if that's a $15,000 integration to go build, that is a long payback period for that to make sense. So that's totally fine if we can't automate everything or if it's not cost effective. We then just need, going back to the process piece, then we need a really clear process for how we're going to manually do that. That's totally fine if people have to have to do it. The process just needs to be as bulletproof as if we you know, did it with with automation. I think that's a really important thing. And something I picked up there is that I think there's this utopia that people are trying to achieve where all these tools come together. You know, I'm picturing like, I don't know, I'm dating myself here, but the Power Rangers, right? All these different vehicles come together and become this one mega vehicle robot thing. But like, it's not really necessarily that you're going to get this, you know, utopian blob tool that does all the things and works seamlessly together. But the important thing is that you know what each tool is for and that it can talk to other systems. And honestly, sometimes an integration starts as just understanding the manual process of how we get something from the sales pipeline and the CRM into the project management system. And then maybe at the end, getting that debrief or lessons learned back out of that into the CRM. Right. And maybe that's somebody just, you know, making sure the right data is there, including the link into the CRM so that you can get to the project and click up. It's also an integration. Just not like this, like deep integration that we think of where we, you know, like APIs and auto magic and, you know, AI and everything, it's going to magically happen. It's not necessarily what you need to achieve in order to be efficient. Right. Sure. It might be efficient, but to your point, it might cost you an arm and a leg and your payback period might be like immense, but you can probably start with something manual or like, you know, your classic export, transform load, write a script. It's not all one machine. It's an orchestra. Yeah. I think one mistake that we made early on working on top of ClickUp was uh, the API on top of ClickUp was a lot more powerful than what we'd had with our, with Do Inbound, the platform that we'd built just because so little of that was public. And so you kind of get carried away with like, oh my goodness, we could create all this stuff. And agencies were thrilled. Like that's received super well, obviously by people, hey, we're going to automate this and that and everything else. And you're, you know, you can sit on the couch and eat potato chips and make money. And the big challenge, you're, you're Canadian. And so the, well, I got to start saying process instead of process here. But the, <laughs> When you take a bad process and you oper- you automate it, like all you're doing is taking something bad and just making it run a little bit faster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so a lot of times running things intentionally and manually first, where it makes sense to, you're going to have iterations and learn, hey, there's actually a better way to do it. So a lot of our engagements, when the most tedious thing when we're working with an agency is all the process development that needs mm-hmm. to happen. And there's a lot of just process coaching around and this is one of the huge benefits, obviously, of being niched is like, hey, you guys are whatever your Shopify agency or Clavio agency or, you know, Facebook ads or whatever. You've gotten to see that. You've got people who've been at a handful of different agencies. You might have perspectives from 10 or 20 different agencies. But we've got perspectives from seeing thousands of agencies. Like, are you sure that you actually want to run your reporting in this way? Are you sure you actually want to set up your campaign structure in this way? Or, you know, track your campaign performance in this way? Or here's your creative pipeline. 
a lot of it is we just need to go fundamentally fix those processes first. And then we can come back and start thinking about automating it. And the stuff that you know you're already good at, you already know exactly how you want it to work. Absolutely. Let's, let's take that and automate it. We've got variables that are not going to be constantly changing. But I think that's a, a common mistake. And that's a mistake that we definitely made early on where it was like kind of get carried away and so excited with automation mm -hmm. before saying, hey, let's, let's run this and let's make sure this is the right process first and then go automate off of that. You know, it's, it's just, and no pun intended, but it's just clicking with me what you said about it being a filter. So in other words, clients are coming to you, agencies are coming to you, and they're like, listen, we are interested in, in transitioning to ClickUp for our operations. And you're like, okay, cool, you made it through the filter. But then some of your engagements actually might just be, you know what, you don't need ClickUp, but let us help you with these processes because we've seen it. We've seen these challenges and we've solved them for hundreds, if not thousands of other organizations that look like you. And that's the value of that, of that sort of engagement. But the filter is that you're willing to take a leap. If you're willing to take a leap, then leap in and I'll show you that you might not need to take as big of a leap as you thought. Sure. Yeah. I say that, but like you said, the process part, the process design part is the tedious part, arguably is the bigger leap. Right. Yeah, for sure. There's, um, in anytime, and I love the, the quote from, um, or the, there's a couple of different people who've been, who this quote has been attributed to, but. Uh, if you can't describe what you were doing as a process, you don't know what you were doing, is a kind of classic process, like systems thinker, quote, and I think for a lot of agencies, it's easy to think, especially agency owners, it's easy for us to think like, oh yeah, we have a process for doing that. What that translates out to when you actually say, that that's awesome, like show it to me, is no, I have a process for doing that because I know it, I've done it for, for years. None of my team actually knows. And if, if you actually had to look at how we do it, there are eight different processes for how we how we get to that point. So just getting stuff down on paper as a starting point. And then there can be a lot of improvement. And honestly, I feel like half the time, it's just the answer's obvious to everybody. As soon as we write it down, it's like, oh yeah, that's really dumb. I don't know why we do that. Or, or you know, hey, this actually does make a lot of sense. It might not make sense to you guys at Zenpilot, but mm -hmm. we have a legitimate reason for our weird accounting system that we need to do this or, or whatever else. And then, you know, there's a there's another subset of the time where it gets on paper and you just don't realize, just like I had this experience working with a sales coach. Um, you just don't realize some of the stuff, hey, this process made sense to me on paper, mm -hmm. but actually there's a way better, way better way to do it from someone else who's seen it a lot of times. I like that a lot. And I think a lot of us, myself included, I'm like, all these light bulbs are going off for me right now, but I think we're guilty of thinking about documenting process as like, you know, the official record of like how things are done. This is, this is it. We're carving it onto a tablet. Whereas actually the point is to write it down so you can have a conversation about whether or not it needs to change. And I think a lot of people make that mistake. They're like, okay, well, I'll get around to it. Like once I, once everything's perfect, then we'll write it down, which is actually probably the wrong idea because if you haven't written it down and it's in your head and you're not you know, able to have an effective conversation about it, or you, you can't explain it to somebody else in a, in a way that they can kind of go and, and think critically about it and say, well, what if we did this? What if this step happened here? Then it's just going to stay exactly as it is in your brain. And if it's wrong in your brain, then it's going to stay wrong. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, very much so. Getting it down is really the start of the iteration cycle. It's not the end of the iteration cycle. I think, dude, there's, um, that feels overwhelming. I said the word tedious earlier. Like that is, mm -hmm. it, it is some hard work, but it's not crazy time consuming. It, it's not, it's time consuming. It's not as crazy or as insurmountable. I think as people think, you start looking at, man, I'm running an agency here. Like we might have a hundred, we might have 200 different unique processes that we, mm -hmm. that we go through. That would just take forever to do. And the reality is, 
an average project for us is about 10 weeks right now um, when, once we get into implementation. And that's both, you know, that's implementing new tooling, that's training a team, that's building the processes. That's a, a big investment. That's, a, you know, a quarter worth of, of time. Obviously, they're running an agency at the same time, but there's still a lot of work that goes in outside of it. But that's not a, uh, you know, it's not like we're talking about, hey, you're going to spend the next two years of your life being tied down and toiling endlessly over this. It, it really... Um, with the with the right framework and idea of hey here's what gold standard looks like, it's not that crazy to go build out what you have, and that's where the iteration cycle starts, and your team really becomes empowered to go improve that process over time, which is the I think the coolest iteration to see people improve on what they were doing and become some of the efficiency pickups are just crazy where a team becoming three times more efficient is not unusual to see with the same headcount when they actually work at this stuff. That's really cool. That's really cool. That's actually a much swifter engagement than I was thinking. And like you said earlier, I think a lot of it is looking at like payback, ROI, like what's worth it to do. Does it mean that the team is going to be doing this and delivering client work at the same time? And is that going to be a bit of a strain? Probably. But, you know, like you said, 10 weeks, you know, it's like not even a full quarter. And if you can get to a point where you've got 3x efficiency on something, then yeah, obviously that's going to that's gonna make sense. I wanted to come to this, the change management piece. I'm glad you touched on it, which is that, yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of cases, in an ideal case, folks are like, okay, well, we sat down, we documented processes, we changed things, maybe we changed technology, and now we've got this new way of working. And I think in a perfect world, the uptake is really quick because the benefits are quick. And people adopt it right away. But like, what do you do when there are adoption challenges, I guess, right? It's right. like, you know what? We did all this stuff, but I'm still going to do things like the old way. And like, how, how often do you come back to one of your clients and, and see that they've actually done a backslide? Or how often do you find yourself needing to kind of stay involved to make sure people do the thing like that you have helped them design versus just, you know, avoiding it and just keep on keeping on keeping on? Right. That's a really good question. I'd be curious because you've been in the space for so long, what your feedback is or like what things resonate with you and what things don't from what I'm going to share here. I think this is candidly, this is one of the things that I think we do way different than most project management implementation shops that are out there where it's largely about getting the tooling in place. Um, and often it's, you show me your workflow and I'll show you how to put that in ClickUp, which is not, that's not our approach. We're much more opinionated than that. So I think it's, there's kind of three main pieces to it. There's the clear expectation setting and the training is the first piece. Then the second piece I think is the carrot and the third piece is the stick. So the the expectation setting is like, here's the rules that we have. Whatever our PM tool is, let's call it ClickUp for this for the sake of this. Rule number one is if it's not in ClickUp, it didn't happen. Like mm -hmm. I if you want to get credit for something, you can't tell me about it in Slack. You can't tell me about it wherever else if it if there's not a record of that in ClickUp, because that's just the reality is we're trying to build a single source of truth here. Stuff's gotta go there. Your whole set of expectations, that's just one example of them. If we track time, like, do we actually track time or do we not? How do we handle due dates? How do we handle leaving a trail when you move something? How do we handle reassigning work? Like all the all the variables, that should be codified. And there's some clear training for the team on what that actually looks like inside the tool. So it's not just you have to track time, but specifically, here's how we track time. Here's the increments that are okay or not okay. Here's the types of, you know, if you're entering in your time and you don't have a client assigned to that or a service line assigned to that, like that's not okay. That doesn't, that doesn't count. The carrot piece of all of this is helping people realize the vision. In your day-to-day -day now, when you show up to work, you've got a task list and you can clearly see what's on my plate for today. How am I supposed to do that with the processes embedded right into our project management platform? 
and your time estimates right there. Like you've already got a sense of what your workload for the day is going to look like. You know, how nice is that going to be for mm -hmm. us to be able to see that? And you partaking in the system and creating that feedback loop for us means we can do a better job of staffing and supporting you and giving you clarity where you don't have clarity. So that's the care piece. And aside from that, you'll be able to see the same thing for your coworkers. You won't have to go talk to three designers to find who's got bandwidth. Mm -hmm. You can click into this workload view and you can see who may have bandwidth to help you out today and, and who doesn't. And then the less part, less fun part of it, the stick side of it, the piece that any of us who are project managers are probably super excited here and anybody who's, who's not a project manager is, is dreading, is that accountability and improvement piece. Mm -hmm. Every single day, and at a team, let's just call it like a 20-person team, we're talking about 10 or 15 minutes a day. This is not a big commitment from somebody on the team who's the internal champion. Can't be the agency owner because they're just going to forget about it after doing it three times and get distracted by the next shiny thing because that's the way owners are wired, it, which is totally fine. There's strengths to that. That's one of the weaknesses. Got to be somebody else. They're going in and they're looking through, you know, whatever our rules are. Hey, we, we don't do overdue tasks. We reschedule. We put a note to whoever's impacted by it and we reprioritize. Then they're looking at what are overdue tasks. The next morning they're logging in and they're looking at what's overdue from yesterday. We track time. Like, what, okay, where are their tasks completed where there's no time tracked? We make sure every task has an assignee and a due date and an estimated amount of time because that's what triggers our workload view in any, any platform that we're using. Okay, well, let's go look at the things that, that violate that. And so we've done the training ahead of launch. We've sold people on the vision of it. Then we've launched and you have to, this typically takes in, in our engagements, like there's usually this point, a little trough of sorrow for a week or two. Everyone's trying to learn something new. It's like- Valley of despair, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, this sucks. I want to go back to the old tool. This is way easier in base camp. And a weekend, you've got, you know, 50% of people are like, okay, this isn't actually that bad. Like I'm starting to get used to it. If you're holding people accountable and then coaching them where they're not sure, they're like, hey, I don't actually know how to leave a comment or mention somebody. It's like, well, here's this thing called an at sign. It's been around for 10 years. Like you can, <laughs> you can figure it out. Um, but then you hit a point where the vocal people start to take over. And then two to three weeks in, it's, you know, like this is, this is better. And everyone's having a better experience than it was before. So that's totally normal to live through. But there still has to be that accountability. On a weekly basis, you're creating basically a trends report. There's a couple extra things that we're looking at, but a trends report, and that's going to agency leadership. And the people who are not listening to you as the internal champion, like someone higher up is addressing that and proving, hey, we've got buy-in across the org, and this is the way that we're going to do things now as a business. And if you can't get in line with that, it's totally fine. There's other places you can go work and be the maverick that you want to be. That's, that's absolutely out there. That's just not the business that we're running. Mm -hmm. And then on monthly, so those are really kind of the daily and weekly habits or pieces of the stick are really around the inputs and activity. And what you're looking at on a monthly and quarterly basis is more around what are the outputs of this. So monthly basis, we might be looking back at project accountability or project profitability and where are we making money, which clients are, do we want to clone and which clients do we want to fire or upcharge? And, you know, longer framework, we're probably looking at service line profitability. Like, are we consistently making money on web? And we can hardly make any money on organic social, which would be normal for agencies. That's uh, one of the hardest service lines to be profitable at is organic social. And then how do we make plans and roll out the next iteration? Now, here's the thing that we're constantly going over on. Is it purely a function of we have to go charge more for it or we should cut it? Or is it a function of we have a bad process and we need to go improve that? Or we have the wrong people doing it and we need to go improve that. And so you're making those decisions strategically based on data on kind of that monthly and quarterly basis. So I think all three of those are important. The really clear expectations, setting the vision for them, holding people accountable to it, having a plan to improve it. If you're changing anything up, you're resetting expectations, retraining, painting the vision for it, and holding them accountable again. 
Uh, I love that. I think one of the things that I see is the biggest pitfalls I see organizations only do the stick, right? Or <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to punish people who aren't following the rules. Right. They probably only did the training parts. But the other thing I love about what you said is like the stick, part of the stick is not just, you know, like this sort of policing, you know, waving, waving or wielding a baton, but it's also helping people understand because I've seen that a lot where people are like, okay, we did training and I'm supposed to know this thing and I know I can at people, but I need someone to come in and be like, listen, change is hard. Even if this concept is simple, I'm not saying that out loud, but they're like, I know I need to help coach you to build that behavior so that you don't backslide because that'd be a silly reason for someone to go back to, you know, the old tool, whether it's, you know, base camp or something else. They'd be like, no, 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 I, 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 no one ever responds to my comments. So I'm just going to like go back into my cave is like, that is the biggest, you know, torpedo for adoption. And it's pretty easily solved by just having the other thing you said, which is champions. So your champions at various different levels will reinforce that carrot will be the stick, but also not just the stick that hits people, but also the stick that helps people out of a river to help them use the tool better. And then the other thing I love is that like, I, I, I see a lot of organizations where even at the leadership level, right? They're like, you guys need new tools? Fine. Okay. You there. Help these, help these people get new tools. And they're like, I'm over here. That's not my problem. You know, you just get work done and like figure it out. It's not me. And they, A, don't become the champion of it. They're like, I don't know. Go talk to, you know, process improvement uh, lead over here. It doesn't really matter to me. Versus actually, this is so important to our strategy to actually like the reason why and, and the mechanism for knowing that it's working is actually much bigger than our task getting delivered on time. It's, are we profitable in these service lines? It's, should we change our strategy and things that will matter to a leader? There's a carrot there too, to build champions at the very senior level so that it is their problem, so that it is something they care about. And then like, let that trickle down. Because I think that there's the bottom up, there's the people who are like, no one really made me feel comfortable about this change and therefore I'm going to act out. And there's the top down, which is like, I don't really care about your tools. Like that's, that's beyond, it's like way beneath my pay grade and I don't want to get my hands dirty with that. Those are the, the big things that I see, like have the big causes for why these things fall apart. But I think there's yeah. one other thing that I think is implicit in what you said is that I, it sounds to me like your process is quite inclusive and grassroots. Like, I don't think you're going in and I've seen consultancies do this, you know, like here is our, you know, here's our blueprint. Like you call it a blueprint, but I think you're making that blueprint with your client. Not like right. this is the way it's done. Do these things by. And I've seen a lot of groups do that. Just like shove things down people's throats and not include them or listen to them or understand uh, the process along the way. But it sounds to me like you said something earlier. You said sometimes your client will explain to you why, yes, this process is weird. It's wonky, but it works for us because of this reason. And right. to have the wherewithal to say, okay, cool, let's work that into the blueprint that we're making together. We're listening to everybody. We're listening to the needs. And I think that just goes such a long way in terms of like change management and adoption that it seems like a simple thing to do. It's probably natural for you, but I, I see people fail to do that a lot. Okay. We brought in a third-party consultant. They're going to be working over here. You keep working on client work. And then 10 weeks from now, everything's going to flip over and you're going to use a different tool and it's going to be great. And everyone's like, don't know. Right. <laughs> don't know if that's going to be true. I'm skeptical already, but I think that inclusivity and just hearing people and understanding what current state is, because sometimes current state will be fine. And right. coming back to that filter thing, right? Like sometimes not moving to ClickUp will be fine. It's more of the, the mindset of, are you, are you willing to be, are, are you in a, a headspace to consider 
a solution that will bring some things together, but is a tool. Not It's not right. like this holy grail that's going to magically make you live forever. It's just a tool. And I, I love that it boils back down to just the human stuff, right? right? Humans are bad at change. Humans want to be more efficient. And humans are complicated. And it's, it's, you put them all together in an agency, which is high pressure, right? In a, in a fast-growing agency, which is even higher pressure. And you need these things. You need these things in place because a tool alone is not going to solve it. You said so many things were good there. The, um, so the behavioral side is the number one problem to solve. Like if everyone, I would 100% take a team that's got really clear expectations, some documented processes for what they're doing and buy in together on what they're doing and have them run on, I mean, we can go as old school as you want. Like they can run on, I don't care, Excel or Google Sheets or whatever. Like I would take that over the most modern ClickUp setup with all the integrations, but a team who's not bought in together. It really is, uh, we, <laughs> I played lacrosse with my co-founder, Andrew, in college. And we'd always joke if somebody dropped a pass or someone, it's, if someone drops a pass, you look down at your stick right away. It's like, you know, you call out, hey, it's not the sword, it's the warrior. And it, it's just the, like, I, I would 100% rather have people operating in a cohesive unit together than the tooling. Obviously, gold standard is we've got all of those together. We've got tremendous processes on the best tooling with the, with the team that's operating together. But if you had to pick and choose, and so to get that behavioral buy-in from people, if you don't listen to what's going on right now and pay attention to what's working, what's not, and what they actually need, you just wind up designing something that it's, it doesn't matter how right you are if people don't agree with you that that it's right. So there has to be that buy-in from the team. That doesn't mean that you give in to whatever they ask. It just means that you listen and then help people realize, hey, here's the better way, or they have the better way in specific areas. And then you've got to build for that, which is which is totally fine. The one other piece I wanted to just reiterate from what you said was like the stick is uh, like the stick that reaches in to rescue people versus that, that just beats them up. A hundred percent. Like that stick is really 80% coaching hmm. and 20% that, hey, this is not good enough. You already know what to do. Like you need to do better or or you're gone. Like there is some of that that happens sometimes and you do have to be willing to let people go or, you know, there have to be some real consequences for folks. But that's the vast minority of the time. Most of the time people are trying to do the right thing. They just don't know what to do and how to do it. And they were having a bad day the day that you went through training or they're just like me and they forget a lot of things and they just need someone to hold their hand and, and bring them back to look, here's, here's how we do it. And once I help you do it, you know, there's a concept that people need to hear things seven times on average before they really hear it and understand it for the first time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that in that role. So that's what I love. And I love that when you had said it, you said coaching and I know you have a background coaching sports and it's like, you're not booting everyone off the team every time they drop a pass, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. that's not the point. You're not always yelling at them. Um, sometimes that might be the right thing to do, to just be like, listen, I need to show some tough love. But really, it's about helping people succeed. And yeah, sometimes, but they won't be the right fit. But that, that's probably a minority. I really like that. I think it's really yeah. cool. I'm going to close out with a totally unrelated question, which is, you know, you see a lot of agencies, especially in like a client services configuration, using a lot of tools. There's a lot of different project management software out there. But is there is there a feature that you're just like, man, I wish someone would do this because it would solve everyone's problem. What is that unicorn feature that you're not seeing in any tool that you wish you had because a lot of organizations would benefit from it? Yeah. There's some people who work. So we've got this list internally. I don't think we've published it anywhere. We've got this list of 10 core problems that agencies need to solve in this area, kind of starting with a really standardized client journey, 
and kind of the whole way through the pipeline. There are things like, you know, fully built out process templates living in your project management system that are quick and easy to deploy and get the right work assigned to the right person with the right due date every time. About seven of those problems, I feel like we're somewhere between an eight and a 10 out of 10 on solving. But there's some problems that we're not. And one of those problems that we're not that feels like right now is like a three out of 10 for how we're, there's just a lot of manual work to get there, is forecasting pipeline and understanding what that looks like. Where would we, like forecasting hiring needs. We've got a model for doing this in ClickUp right now, but it takes a good amount of manual work. You know, every deal that moves into like the contract sent stage or whatever specific stage in your CRM, you want to go take through. You know, you probably have 10, 15 minutes of just going and trying to, if, if you really want like the most accurate workload forecasting, that, that's a good amount of manual work to try to get back. Okay, if we sold 60% of these deals, we would be in real trouble from a design side eight weeks from now. And so we need to start recruiting for that role right now. There are platforms out there like Parallax. I don't know if you've come across them at all. They are trying to be the tie-in between your HubSpot and mm -hmm. um, whatever else. It does a really nice job on the forecasting front. Uh, if Tom hears this, he's a founder, founder there. He's not going to appreciate, not going to appreciate this, but I, he, he knows that uh, we're, you know, that this is what we ultimately want. They do a, a really nice job of the forecasting side. You've got to manually put in like roughly where's time going. You know, here's the percentage of time going by person. But when that deal then gets closed one, based on what you've estimated, there's no integration that automatically says, okay, and here's the templates that go get deployed in your PM. Mm -hmm. like now you have to take that estimate. You still have to go deploy it. So they're kind of solving the top half. It feels like we've got the bottom half solved in ClickUp. And the integration between the two of those is still a missing component. And there's a million tools. I mean, we've spent dozens and dozens of hours mm -hmm. trying to figure out how can we solve this better. For most early stage agencies, that's not a big deal. We can still get directionally close, but it would provide more certainty around the specific timeline for hiring if we had that. It, there's a lot of, that's in our minds, it's kind of a level two problem. Like first, mm -hmm. you've got to have the product. First, you've got to ha understand what are we selling? Is there some right. repeatability there? Do we have... Uh, the project templates built out, but level two is how do we quickly and easily get kind of a, a, a real quick view? At if we close eighty percent of these, we're in trouble two weeks from now. If we close twenty percent of these, we're fine for another three months. So we mm -hmm. know somewhere in the in the sweet spot there, we need to hire specifically for this role and that role. Um, so that'd be one. I think the other piece that would be super nice. I know you asked for one. I'm going to give you two unicorns, which I don't know if that's fair. We spend time going back and looking at when Gray records a podcast interview to, to get the same outcomes as Galen. Gray babbles on and it takes him 90 minutes and Galen does it in 45 minutes. So we want to go back and look. That's a bad example because that wouldn't happen that frequently. But the stuff that people do most often, like assuming that outcomes were the same, here's the person who's clearly more efficient in that area and helping people mm -hmm. get into their zones of strength. That is, um, there's some kind of hacks and some shortcuts for it right now, but there's no PM tool that just looks at it and says, Obviously, Galen's better at this than Gray is. So just automatic, like I'm going to automatically recommend that Galen's the person who does this, not Gray. And I think that'd be super hard to do in a tool like ClickUp that's built for everybody or a tool like Asana or Monday or whatever, because there's so much variance in how users wind up wanting to assign tasks in the frameworks that they use. So, so how can you do that? But that feature gets asked for a lot and would be, that was one of the directions we were trying to take our software way back in the day but it required a very rigid structure to start setting the groundwork for that. So I, I would still love to see that come to market at some point in time, even if that's a plugin that you can layer on top of whatever your project management tool is. It's a totally standalone tool and just comes in and analyzes who does what, where does the time go, and then how can we normalize that and make suggestions for you about how you resource plan. I love that. I understand you with the granularity problem, right? It's just like 
tasks are assigned in a different way. But uh, I was having a conversation actually on on on, on this podcast uh, with Allison Caffrey. We were talking about data and yeah. uh, just this notion of like, yeah, it starts a conversation. Like you can't you know refute the fact that yes, this person, whatever they're doing is, you know, they're coming in, you know, under budget whenever they do a web project. It's like, let's have a conversation about that. It's not calling anybody out. Nobody's like automatically off the team because of it. But it's like, how can we take advantage of this? Like, what is what is being done right? Like, this is something to be celebrated, not something to like pit people against one another. And then you have to like, again, it's that human component of caging the conversation correctly. So I love that. I know there's big demand for that. And also because I was a project manager, account manager, business development guy, the pipeline thing, 100%. I remember we would get to the point where it was like if the probability got above 60%, then we'd just like resource the project as if it was going to happen. And we'd look at that, but we didn't have any like sophistication in it. It was just a, it was a spreadsheet and we try to overlay it with our like actual resourcing. But I would love for, you know, whatever AI, wherever AI is at right now, that'd be a great use to just run some simulations and say, well, listen, your close rate is this. And, you know, the, we know that a lot of the time this, these projects that involve these teams might go over. So, you know, don't not hire somebody, actually probably hire somebody because right. what, what we're saying is that, you know, with the probability of these things happening with no one having a crystal ball, at least plan so that you aren't, you know, up the creek. So right, speak, right. right. So like, and I think that's what a lot of agencies are looking for is like, how can we scale like, and maybe that means scaling the sales team, but where do we stop scaling the sales team and tell them to stop selling because we actually need to scale the delivery side of things. Right. But then what if the pipeline dries up and then we hired all these people and there's like, that's the operational complication of like the agency model as you described it, right? It's right. It's it's arbitrage. It's this like hours for service. You know, you need people to do the work and uh, there's a lot of variables at play about whether things will happen or not uh, or whether they'll, they'll, they'll go to plan or not. Right. So, I think that's massive. Yeah. That's huge. And balancing that that risk, or you know, in theory, the team that was 100% utilized, you've 100% maximized your reward capability by by having them fully out there. But your risk profile is absolutely through the roof because as soon as someone feels burnt out, you tip over that 100%. Yep. So it's even lower, and you're you're really in trouble. Yeah. Um, then you're <laughs> then you're really up the creek. <laughs> so it's, it's it's finding that um that sweet spot and knowing how to balance the we want a highly utilized team. I love that. So software developers who are listening, there you have it. That's that's the next that's million it. dollar idea. It's, it's right there. We just gave it to you. We just gave it to you. And then come and then call us because we need it. <laughs> awesome. Great. This has been really insightful. I really enjoyed our chat. And I'm sure that folks listening uh, have enjoyed it as well. If people want to learn more about ZenPilot, where, where should they go? Yeah, I'd suggest two different things here. One would be just the website, ZenPilot.com. You can find, if you search like ClickUp for agencies, if you're curious about how kind of the, at the granular level of ClickUp it works, um, you'll find a lot of our content. You can check out our podcast, Agency Journey there, any of, the, any of the resources that we've got for agency owners as well. But the other piece that I'd point people towards if, is if, if they just want to benchmark kind of how they're doing right now, we are just about to cross 2,700 agency clients. Wow. And we do, as part of this blueprint process, there's this whole kind of agency ops assessment that happens, which for the longest time, was just a Word doc. So it was a massive problem or massive project taking data out of this or uh, Google Docs <laughs> um, doc and pushing it into a centralized database. But um, there was a lot of stuff that we should have had structured better coming out of that. And now we, now we tweak that. So we've got this 19 question agency operations and project management health benchmark. 
if you go to zenpilot.com slash PM dash benchmark, you can take that. It's 19 questions. They're all answered on like a scale of, you know, strongly disagree to strongly agree, kind of your, your typical. And actually, I'd be curious to get your input on this. We thought about making it six so that people can't just chicken out and say three. You either have to lean <laughs> towards, towards one end of the spectrum or the other. But what's cool is at the end of that, you can put in your email or you can not put in your email. There's a, you know, from a, everyone who's listening, I'm sure is very familiar with the, the marketing space. And uh, so this is an ungated tool. If you want more info on it, like put in your email. If you don't, if you want to stay anonymous and don't, don't have me judge you. Just kidding. I, I probably won't see it anyways, but, but, uh, but you can do that too. But it benchmarks you, basically scores you on that frame and then gives you a score and a percentile. And then you can see the benchmark results at the end of it. Hey, what, how does the average agency score on this question versus um, that question? So it's got kind of a, a 360 view of what does strong agency project management specifically look like. I love it. I did it. It took me less than five minutes. I'm jealous of it. I'll include the link in the show notes below so people can check it out. But I think it's just, it's such a great starting point for project managers and for any organization that has a project management team or is considering growing one. It's a great way to just kind of understand where you're at. So I, I think it's a really, it's a, it's a worthwhile piece to check out. It's awesome. Well, this has, been, this has been super fun, Galen. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on and share. Uh, it's been a blast to, blast to chat and anytime that I can help out uh, or help folks from the from the audience happy to have those conversations awesome and likewise thank you for coming on the show and, and sharing what you know absolutely so what do you think is project management software a necessary evil when scaling or is it the secret weapon that unlocks your agency's full potential tell us a story have you ever been part of an organization that picked a project management tool that didn't work for them what was the impact leave your thoughts in the comments below and if you want to hone your skills as a strategic project leader come and join our collective Head over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com slash membership to get access to a supportive community that shares knowledge, solves complex challenges, and shapes the future of our craft together. From robust templates and monthly training sessions that save you time and energy, to the peer support offered through our discussion forum, community events, and mastermind groups, being a member of our community means having over a thousand people in your corner as you navigate your career in digital project delivery. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and stay in touch on thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.